Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and I love you too, Thor! (laughs) Today we are talking about Minute 130, which begins with realizing there's one more thing to do, and ends with Shauna Lynn's brief appearance. Back on the show, we have Marvelous Tay. Hello! Hello! Thank you for having me back! Yay! We are thrilled to have you back uh, for, yeah, we're kind of like uh, post-attack, and this is uh, really, we're at that point where things, we're finally getting a little breather which is kind of nice. And it's kind of funny because last time we talked, we had Tony and Loki at Stark Building. Now we're back. So this time we have the whole game. (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, I was wondering, like, is this is one of the reasons you picked this particular minute is that it was kind of a payoff for that last one where Tony was offering Loki a drink? What? No, I would never (laughs) do such a thing. (laughs) Well, before we end up back in the penthouse, though, we get this final little bit of the scene down on the streets uh, below Stark Tower. Uh, Tony is alive, and his mask has been ripped off, and uh, they've been talking about shawarma, and they realize there's one more thing to do, and we come into this minute with everybody kind of taking a a beat, and then we've got that great little comedic payoff, which is, again, so perfect the way that the... Uh, you know, our fair writer-director kind of crafts these little comedy beats here with Tony saying, and then shawarma after? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, Yeah, it's It's one of my favorites, too. Like, it's, yeah, again, like, to your point, Andy, this is another Tignatero comic moment, like, taking action, making it funny with just a line. And and it totally works, because now we've had all the hints. We've, We've seen the shawarma palace. Uh, there, there is no other outcome but these people eating shawarma, <laughs> and I'm I'm here for watching them eat shawarma. Are you a shawarma fan, uh, Tay? So I had my first shawarma, ironically, at Avengers Campus when I went to uh, Disneyland. <laughs> you had <Nice>. Disney shawarma. <laughs> I literally went just to get shawarma at the food truck. And I had it at the night, like at final night before it closed as my final battle snack. That's (laughs) that's how psycho I can be with Marvel very quickly. That's awesome. What can you just like? This is obviously not a food show, but I'd like it for a moment to be a food show Mm -hmm. with Tay. What can you describe the experience of said shawarma? Which is great. I'm, I'm a big foodie, so I'm I'm, I'm loving for this. Okay. Um, awesome. When I had it, I thought it was gonna be like almost like a gyro, like you know, nice and refreshing. It was actually a little bit spicy. It was kind of like a gyro, but a little bit more spicy, and had this come like this dill yogurt sauce, something like that. It was really mm. good, but I wasn't ready for the heat. So fair warning, there okay. was there was a pack to punch, but it was great. Disney dill is the best dill, they say. It's certainly the most expensive. <laughs> oh, it was good. Well, there's, there's <laughs> it was that, good. That. But it was food truck. It wasn't like they didn't recreate oh, the shawarma palace No, they on had the, the food truck. But still same place, same company, just on a food truck, which is great. Okay. That is awesome. cool. Perfect. It was right next to the, the headquarters, too. So it was like a little cherry on top. I loved it. Uh, how fun. That is awesome. Perfect. So before we, uh, again, go up to the penthouse, um, do Clint and Natasha and Eric, like, how how do they get down? Do you think 
Uh, do Thor and or Hulk jump up to bring them down? Do you think Natasha and Eric can just, I mean, obviously she got down to uh, the penthouse to get the scepter. Is the, If there's a ladder, I guess they could just kind of take a, an elevator or something. And I'm assuming Clint could kind of, he doesn't have any arrows left, but I'm sure he's he's crafty enough to like get through a locked maintenance door and then take the elevator down. Um, any thoughts on how they actually get off the roofs where they are? <laughs> Slide the important down questions. the curved glass <laughs> next to the landing. To me, the elevator's behind Loki. So to me, the elevator wouldn't make sense. That's where I knocked off of my book. I personally believe that I think Hawkeye might have like a grappling uh, arrow, which we all know that he does have one. Um, I think Tony either picked up one, one or the other. Do not know who. Hulk is notorious for climbing up buildings. So I think since Zor destroyed, <laughs> you might as well just make it worse. Yeah. I, I don't know. I really can't thoroughly explain it. I think obviously Thor picked up someone in the process. Thor carried someone. I like that. I, I guess technically, I mean, like, say, for example, maybe Thor went up and grabbed Hawkeye. Natasha and Eric, uh, I mean, Eric, we don't see him in this next scene. I mean, he could just be chilling in a chair for all we know, but, uh, but Natasha really only just has to go downstairs and they'll kind of meet everybody right there in the, in the uh, penthouse so that they can actually uh, confront Loki. Um, And that's where we are. So we see that Loki is alive. He's kind of uh, (laughs) climbing out of the hole where Hulk left him. And I mean, you know, he's an Asgardian. Um, I'd like to think that he's a little more broken than he is, but I mean, he still looks like he's in pain. I mean, do you you think that he should be like, uh, you know, have broken bones or is this fine? Kind of the damage that he's received here. I feel like he's really hurt. Because looking at Ragnarok when he first sees Hulk in the in the battle, he got a little scared really quickly and got intimidated. So I would imagine he got really badly hurt if a god like him gets scared of a ginormous dude with no shirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> I not scared enough to to in any way damage his wit and timing, mm-hmm. however, which is, you know, key to the Marvel villain very key yeah yeah i don't know if i i I mean i feel like he's he's if anything he's winded i don't know how damaged he is or he heals quickly or whatever i mean so much i don't know about loki but um i i feel like he's an he is a vessel for the delivery of hulk violence and that's about about the extent of it in this last sequence (laughs) well it's one of those things where uh, you know so often in fact i'm trying to think of an example so most of the villains up to this point in the franchise have been killed. It's really only Abomination and Loki who, of the five films leading up to this, all the others had been had been killed. This is the first time that we are back with a villain repeating, and he still isn't dying. And it's actually really gratifying when they find villains and don't feel that they have to kill them, especially in the world of comic books where we know villains come back time and time again. Mm -hmm. It's kind of important. And so to a certain extent for the type of movie it is, I think that he probably is showing that he's damaged enough where he's not going to put up a fight and instead just ask for a drink. Well, I, I wonder, Andy, on that point, like we have been talking about leading up to this minute, how Loki's role as the villain had already has, has been diminished. It was sort of diminished at the beginning of the of the fight. Right. When, you know, we realize that 
you know, Hulk smashes him and then we have to deal with the the nuclear bomb and put it up the space hole and there's some other big villain up there so how does that impact your impression of loki as the surviving big bad when to me it feels like loki wasn't the biggest of the big bad after all that loki survived as now an ancillary character to this other giant threat that's up in the space hole does that matter does Loki still feel like the big villain, I guess? That's an interesting point. And obviously, you know, we're going to have our uh, mid-credits sequence in this film that kind of gives us that reveal that helps set things up for the next few phases. But what I guess it does is it sets up Loki as a villain that our heroes can handle. Like, we see yes. them figure out how to defeat this particular villain. It, I mean, yes, you could, and we've talked about kind of like him getting diminished as a villain over the course of the film, but I think it's because when it's him against these six, he is defeatable. And we see that here. Um, he, it took a whole army of these other characters to really make it a lot more challenging for them. But it doesn't mean that he's going to stop and he'll continue, obviously, over the course of the franchise kind of pestering them and, and being a thorn in their side and, and helping when needed and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, we have now set up this additional story thread of something bigger. And so it's an interesting shift because it kind of gives us a sense of who he is a villain, as a villain and what we can expect while also giving us that something else. Taya, is that about the way you're reading it? I mean, yes. And also I see it on top of all that, that he is just a pawn. And every villainous act that he does, he's always the pawn. He thinks he's the king in every chess game. He thinks he has the, the biggest move, but there's always someone behind him. He doesn't realize until it's too late. Just like in this movie, he thought he was going to be the head honcho. And as we see later on, Thanos played him like a fool. Yeah. And that's what he constantly always gets down to over and over again. It's getting played as the fool until the better end. That's actually really interesting because that has not been like some sort of mysterious secret that Loki has been sort of the tool of somebody else. I think to your point, like Loki may have thought he was like using the Chitara, using the other, using Thanos, whatever. But it, this is just this movie is example after example after example of Loki misjudging his resources. Well, it doesn't help either. He's so narcissistic. It has this huge ego that. Even though he's so easy to read and you know that he's very meticulous, we know who his true character is by looking at him, just hearing him talk. And that's why he gets played like a fool because he doesn't realize that, dude, you're really noticeable. You're really easy to read. <laughs> we can understand what your next plan is. And uh, that's why he doesn't realize because he's so high in his head. By everybody except for Thor. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> who takes a very long time to start figuring <laughs> things out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think even past Endgame. Yeah. Took him right. past yeah. Endgame. <laughs> right. It's very true. Oh, geez. All right. Well, we get Loki sitting up, and he kind of turns, and it's an interesting reveal of our heroes, of kind of the six of them all standing there. It's a fantastic POV shot. Like, when he turns and looks at them, like the positioning of the characters and everything, it's just so fun to see them all there and the way that Hawkeye's, like, right up in front and he pulls his bow to kind of, like, uh, draw on him. It's just, it's a great moment. It's an interesting the uh, cinematic element, though, Pete. This goes back to kind of this idea of filmmakers who 
they make a film where nothing exists outside of the frame because uh, and this goes back to like when Loki stabs Coulson in the back. We don't know he's there. Thor doesn't see him there, but he's kind of there. But because he's not in the frame, we don't see it. This is another example. He doesn't hear any of these people walking <laughs> through a room full of rubble all over the floor. N- uh, no sign of like uh, Tony's thrusters. No, no, no sounds right. at all. Yet they're all immediately behind him. And he doesn't know until he turns and sees them. And it's kind of that in-frame thing. I mean, how does all this work? Do you like the way that it sets up uh, our heroes in this moment? Yeah, I mean, I do. I love it because, like, I I just love the tableau of our heroes together. It looks great. I love that they put Hawkeye right in the front. Like, that's fantastic. He's been able to collect an arrow, as far as we know. So now he has an arrow, and he's about to fire it at Loki, uh, for all the good that would that would do. But I love it even more, given the context of, uh, what was it, Endgame, or whichever one they went back in time, and you get to see them w- together creeping up on Loki as they go back in time. The game, man, was real, real small. It was before they tried to swipe the Tesseract briefcase. And I love, I love having that, because that actually is the behind the scenes of this minute. And so you kind of get to see them come together and walk toward Loki and you get Loki crawling away and it totally recontextualizes it because you're sort of aware that Loki does know that they're all kind of walking in, but he doesn't have it in this minute. So it's it's like a different, uh, it's just a different view of it. And I think it reveals something that didn't actually feel lost after all. Um, it, it wasn't a complete Spielberg ignorance of the world outside of the frame it, it was the you know a, a reveal that there was more outside of the frame that we just didn't get to see i guess for me i love how it's all organized i love the fact that hall guy after him being pretty much the puppet with loki he's in the forefront i love that uh black widow has the scepter as like that was her main goal from the get-go definitely trying to save her best friend um and i also love that right at the end after loki says all that drink now you'll see tony get a little tiny smirk for like a split second you'll see really quickly there's a little tiny smirk as you know that still makes him laugh it still makes him chuckle you know that ego is still out there and i i think he kind of like secretly enjoyed it tony and as, as a whole i just thought that was absolutely funny you're right. It is a nice touch. I've never noticed that. And it's it's that whole, like, player recognizes yeah. game, right? Like, like, yeah. recognizes oh. game. Right? Yeah. Like, okay, I, I appreciate your, yeah. your smart talk. I like it. And so yeah. I think it's funny. I, I do like it that Cap's kind of all the way in the back. Not like in the sidelines, but he's definitely, like, observer. You know, he's definitely a people watcher before he kind of makes a plan. Um, so I kind of like it. He's all the way in the back. Well, that's, I, I think, speaks to him as a personality anyway. He is a natural leader, but he doesn't necessarily need to be the person who's in the front, you yeah. know? And, and I think that speaks highly of him and just the way that he sees himself as also part of the team, which is important for him. Exactly. I think it's great. And I'm also still shocked by how calm Hulk is the entire time. Like, he, yeah, he's still <laughs> angry, but like, he's not losing his mind right now. Like, I, he makes a few funny grunts, though, that it does, <laughs> that but like, it looks like he's ready to go back and still swing. And it's just like, it's kind of impressive that how he's still put together because that, that's not really Hulk. I mean, it is, but it's not. He doesn't really work well with teams. So, it's, yeah, it's kind of nice to see it. And I was, I was like, okay, 
This man can't be <laughs> controlled in some way. Right, right. Well, and I guess that goes to the whole idea of what we've been talking about with Hulk. Like the, the this film being the transition from Crazy Hulk that is uncontrollable, the monster that we see on the helicarrier. Mm-hmm. And then by the time he's on the streets and everything, he's listening, he's participating, he's a part of the team, he's helping. Yes, he's still punching Thor, uh, but he largely is now helping and not just on a rampage all the time. And so we've seen that transition, which we'll kind of continue to see eventually leading uh, to um, Professor Hulk and beyond. Oh, yeah. Well, I think this is the movie that Hulk's personality starts to grow. We start seeing a personality kind of get more and more and throughout the other Avengers and definitely Ragnarok. Like we are we're seeing a growth. And I think this is just like the little plants you see, which I kind of enjoyed. Now, like, like looking back now, it's it's kind of sweet. Uh, any last thoughts about this little moment with them, or should we uh, jump to the park and the news? Nothing but the most iconic scene of all time. It really is. <laughs> like you think of the Avengers, you think of this scene. No offense to the you know assemble part where you all get like a nice little panorama, but this is what people think about when they think of Avengers Assembled. This is the scene. Yeah. And this was done so well. It is done really well. Well, that does take us to Central Park. We're looking south-southwest across the park and the reservoir toward mid-Manhattan. Something I had never noticed before, and I think it's probably just largely my... um, you know, not my lack of knowledge about New York and which buildings are which, but I never realized that you can actually see Stark Tower, which is about to become Avengers Tower. Uh, but it is actually poking out over the top of a building about a third of the way from the left uh, as you're going. It's like right after the Chrysler building, but you can kind of see the little curve of it over there, which I thought was kind of cool. I just I had never noticed that they had kind of put that in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah. And uh that takes us to um, it's it's kind of like this this respite. We have this moment to breathe after. I mean, we've just had a battle going on for almost a half hour, and so we're finally getting to this point where, huh, the battle's over. Loki's stopped. The Chitari are gone, and now we can breathe. And that takes us to the news. We get this montage across a number of different screens that uh, that Fury, as we'll come to find out, is looking at. This is in his dark room where he will be meeting with the World Security Council. We're seeing just a variety of different news stories, starting with MSNBC. Breaking news, aftermath, the world response to alien attack. We see CNN developing story, Manhattan crisis averted, cleanup begins. Uh, We see a memorial wall, candlelight vigils. ABC has New Yorkers celebrate victory. Uh, You know, over the course of all of this, I mean, you know, what do you what do you enjoy about the montage here, uh, Taylor? Are are there particular clips that you like more than others? Like what stands out for you? Honestly, I think what stands out for me the most is when we go so I think it's like 153 is when we start seeing like all the candles and people are starting to like, like after celebration, like seeing the awe of it all, people are still remorsing and still recognizing the past. I think that's kind of like really beautiful. But then it, it's more iconic with the guy getting uh, shaved and getting the, the iconic <laughs> goatee of Tony. I was like, okay, you can't really miss that. That's That's pretty good. Those are my favorites. And I love the Easter eggs in this one. The Easter eggs. Are yes. 
hard. There, there are some fun ones here. I do just like the one with Tony, the the guy getting his uh, his facial hair shaved to look like Tony Stark. The fact that we're in another country and we're looking at like you know you could for twenty uh, whatever uh, currency that is, you can get your face to be shaved uh, to look like Tony Stark. I just I think that is <laughs> hilarious. That's and, great. <laughs> uh, all right, Easter eggs. What do you? What's in here that you like so much, Taylor? Uh, one, they make a tribute. They make a tribute to Disney on top. As you see, like the logo of Shield, you see file A one one three, which is the iconic Pixar room code where they first made. Uh, was it Toy Story? Yes, I want to <laughs> yeah. say yes. And yep, then yep. it's one hundred three, which I find it funny for us being technically one three zero. But you know, it's reverse. <laughs> I just think it's kind of funny. Uh, but it reminds me of the, uh, what was it? The Avengers comic. Uh, it was the Battle of the Celestial. I think it was one, 103. It's where we're a scholar witch gets kidnapped. If I'm correct, I'm sure I'm going to okay. get targeted for it. And, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And I don't know. I find it kind of funny because in the comic, it's uh, scholar witch being captured. And I don't really know if this was like their way of like, hinting of the future i'm sure it's not but i just find it quite humorous as this is where like we see vision and we see scholar witch and quicksilver quicksilver is in this one too but he's actually missing and it's a whole thing and i just i don't know if this was like a hey heads up this might we might see them because ironically we do see them in age of ultron so i'm yeah, i'm not right. sure but my little nose starts to get a little. Yeah, well, that's always one of those interesting things. These things that they throw in there as these little nods to stuff, and and it's like, I mean, who knows? It's so hard for us to say, but I, it's always nice to think that they are planning these sorts of things. I love that. Uh, that's what I think personally. I mean, obviously, Shield's still in that comic. Nick Fury's in the comic. I don't know. I just, it just so happens. It's Iron Man, Thor. Captain America, Vision, Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch. It's like, mm, mm. yeah, interesting. That's possible. Cool. Yeah, right, right. So that's the only one I picked up. Unfortunately, out of other ones, uh, that's just now conspiracy theories. I have. Yeah, right? there's always those. Always those. Tons. Well. I do have one. The woman who leans out right at the end of this minute uh, to scream, "I love you, Thor!" into the camera. We get most of it here. Oh, it's yes, kind of like, "I yes. love you, Thor." And then it kind of gets cut off. Uh, that is uh, actually uh, has been since credited as Shauna Lind. And Shauna Lind, those who are familiar with the Thor comics might recognize her as Dr. Shauna Lind. She's a physician who works in the same hospital as Dr. Donald Blake, Thor's alter ego, which mm -hmm. is a fun little nod to kind of include her there as somebody to kind of connect to Thor and those comics. That is funny. It's a good one. It's yep, good. It's very fun. Yep. Uh, one of the things we always like to do is the IMDb game with people as they pop up. Pete <laughs> oh, no. loves doing this. Oh no! That's right. Oh, no. We have we have uh, first up. Um, the it's a little tricky. We we have one of our news anchors here. We have uh, Thomas Roberts is the MSNBC news anchor. This one is uh, kind of hard because Thomas Roberts is credited as Thomas Roberts because Thomas Roberts is actually a news anchor at MSNBC. Uh, <laughs> what's funny, though, is he is credited in 12 films, 
generally as himself or uh, periodically just as a generic newscaster. I don't know if either of you would have any sense of films where Thomas Roberts from MSNBC has appeared in a film, but any idea what he would be known for? No, no clue. I'm really trying to think. <laughs> that this is the the meanest one you you may have ever done. I don't know. There have been plenty of mean ones. <laughs> well, I'll really tell you. I this. mean, I'm going to guess his. I'm going to guess his, one of his top four is the Avengers. Is that close? Oh. You are correct. <laughs> okay. One is the Avengers. He also turns up in Iron Man three. Oh, and United ninety three as himself. Okay. Uh, the other of mm. his known for is Thunder Force, the uh, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, for crying out loud! Uh, I know it's well, it's a movie that's okay to forget. <laughs> yeah, bit of a problem. Melissa what? McCarthy, no. Octavia Spencer. <laughs> mm, I, mm. But in that one, he appears just as newscaster number two, not himself. The next one up is our Shauna Lind. Romy Rosemont plays Shauna Lind. Do either of you have Romy any familiarity? Rosemont. Yeah, do you have any familiarity with Romy Rosemont? It's a great stage name or like a soap opera name. It is. <laughs> you feel like a young and restless. I grew up. Romy Rosemont. Young and the restless. Okay. Um, oh, shoot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say The Avengers is once again one of hers. <laughs> you would be correct. Okay. I'm going to say this. Right. We're saying like soap opery, and I'm assuming because I feel like they all have everybody. Law and Order? No, she's uh, that is not one of her known fours. Let me see if she was in it though. The thing is, she looks so familiar to me. Like I'm when I'm I blew up the frame on the uh, full screen, and she looks so familiar. She looks like what? Oh God, she I I can't. I mean, it's like I, it's like it's in. It's it's right there. It's like right on the edge of everything. She was like a mom. She was a uh, an earnest mom. Maybe turned politician or broadcaster. Anything? Am I close? Is wow. She... Uh, I mean, maybe she was this. I, maybe this is what you're thinking of. She was in Glee. <gasps> she was in Glee. Yeah. She was absolutely in Glee, and she was a mom, and she turned politician. She oh, ran that's... for like Congress or something, and that thing. She was what's his name's mom, whose husband died, and he remarried other guys' uh, dad, and they became a thing. There was a whole episode, dude. She was in Glee. She was Carol Hudson, and she became Carol Hudson Hummel. Oh wow! Yes, she was Kurt Hummel's mom. Okay, look at that. Ah. That is amazing. See, I, I've never seen Glee, so that would never. <laughs> it wouldn't have crossed your path. Uh, but that also means she did it. She did a guest stand. I don't know if it was multiple episodes on Brooklyn Nine Nine, another favorite that uh, came out right alongside. One episode alongside. of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Okay, yeah. she did one episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, I think she was in Scandal. That was another one. I've been tracking this woman. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I cannot believe this. Uh, she was in Scandal. Two episodes of Scandal. Uh, Tay, to your to your que- uh, your thought about Law and Order, she was actually in one episode of Law and Order. They have everybody. On yeah. uh, she was in the Morning Show. She did an episode of the Morning Show. We did, watched yeah. that because oh, uh, right. friend of the show uh, Patrick Fabian was all did an episode or two of Morning oh, Show. So show. we've been kind of tracking extras. Uh, yes, Love that show. Yeah. fantastic. <laughs> She's been working for a long time. I probably saw her long, long ago in the Tracy Ullman show. Uh, which she also <gasps> she, was Andy, in. she was in the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah. Yeah. But her known fours are uh, so far the only one that you have right is the Avengers. 
<laughs> the others are she was the pig mother in Kung Fu Panda 2. She was oh. in An American Crime. And last but not least, she played an assistant in Congo. Congo. Oh, Andy. Yeah. So that's, that's one of her, IMDb thinks that should be one of her top. You four. know, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, American, American Crime, Crime was, was good. I mean, Congo. Congo. Was not. Congo. Congo is a questionable one. Why would that be popping up in a not good? Oh, yeah. I fell asleep yeah. during Congo. <laughs> I have seen. I think she was like a principal in uh, because I think. Or, so another friend of the show, Justin Yeager, ran cable cam for an extended episode of like a single long shot of a camera going through an, an opera or ballet in American Crime, and uh, and I think she was in the audience uh, of the of that shot like the camera swung by her wait so it's one like the american crime or the american crime story because i think she was also in the american crimes the the american crime story the one with the the whole uh what do we call it she, she was in both actually she was in american crime okay. story That's funny uh, i think she was like, in the one of the little uh she was in the one about the impeachment the Im- impeachment. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. At least that's what, uh, from what I can tell. I, I, I don't know. She played uh, Jill Shively in that. Because I, I thought she was the the lady that worked in the office with her. I was oh, yeah. That's the one I'm thinking. That's the one I'm thinking. Of too. I got those confused because American Crime is a movie, isn't it? Yes. And the American Crime Story or Crime Story is the show. Yes. American Crime Story, yeah, is is Ryan Murphy's show. Um, yes. She was in the one, That's actually, the one. it was the one about O.J. Simpson. Okay. Different thing. So she was in the in two episodes of the one about O.J. Simpson of American Crime Story, but she was in An American Crime, Pete. That is, I believe, the one that, uh, that yeah. J.J. had been involved in. She was in... So um, funny. Uh, wow. Oh, no, it was a film. She was in a movie called yeah, that was a film. Yeah. Totally different thing. Yep. So. That's why I was totally like, confused. Because like, there was a, it's a movie, but I also think she was in the show. There's multiple things. She's doing a lot of... She's just she, big on crime. Yeah, especially Very in America. Big. She wants she wants a lot of... Uh, big crime yeah. in America, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, she might be the faciest of the faces that we've covered uh, in <laughs> this thing. At this point, God only knows how many thing she's been a part of well she also um had been in the much ado about nothing that uh joss whedon had directed that black and white one so likely that is something um where she kind of came into contact with him and and was involved in that and she's worked with clark Gregg before in lovely and amazing so um it's yeah it's just one of those you know uh threads of who you know yep Last but not least, Jamie McShane. He is the celebration montage interviewee. He's the one who we have speaking here uh, right toward the end. He's uh, in the blue standing uh, next to the guy in the in the with Captain America uh, shirt. Uh, Shauna Lynn pops in right between them. Any idea who Jamie McShane is or what he's been in before? Is he related to Ian McShane? <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be interesting? I don't know. <laughs> Considering his birth name is James Nelson Simon, I'm going to guess not. I don't. I don't. Then I I want to say this because I, if I remember right, I just watched this movie recently for uh, another friend of mine, Thor. Uh, he was an agent of some sort. He is. He's a Agent Jackson. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. Ooh. <laughs> 
Good yes. one. Good call That's there. That's a nod. I had a look at the photo. I'm like, okay, wait, you look familiar. I was like, all right. I think you're an agent. See, he has a very agent-like face. He does. He really does. Yes, he does have an agent-like face. That's very funny. Was he, wait, was he in an American crime story or American crime? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, How about Glee? Was he in Glee? I've never seen Glee. I would never tell you. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I can't uh, also, somebody who has been in a lot of projects, uh, Law & Order included. Well, uh, I was, was going to say Law & Order. Yeah. Yeah. They have well, everybody. I know. Everybody finds their way into there eventually. Um, but no, the four known fours for him are Thor, as you called out, Hostage, the uh, Bruce Willis film, Gone Girl, where he plays Donnelly, and this, The Avengers. Gone Girl? Donnelly and Gone Girl. Oh, wait, I'm looking this up. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Give me I, yeah, I can't remember who Gone who, or who Donnelly is in the film. I'm looking right now. I've, it's been a while since I've seen Gone Girl, but I also read the book and both right. amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, I couldn't tell you. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure who Donnelly is, but uh, that's who he plays. Mm. So that is. Jamie McShane, always keep him busy, certainly in a lot of things, including, like, most recently, 1923, uh, the TV series. He's in a few episodes of that, so. Hmm. That was the, that's the Yellowstone spinoff, right? The, what I'm thinking of? Um, the prequel, right? Wait. Yeah. Wasn't he also in the show Wednesday? Wednesday, yes. Yes. He's eight episodes. Time. He plays the sheriff in eight episodes of Wednesday. Good call. Wow. It's like, once again, I haven't finished that he show. has that face of like very agent like, and I'm really trying to picture all the agents <laughs> I can think of in this world. So we need to go through all of the shows that involve agents. Like, was he in any of the CSIs? Was he in. <laughs> Oh, Any of the, he was he, already law you and should, order. You should He's, be uh, calling out the fact that he was in three episodes of Star Trek Picard as Z- Z- Zabon, Zabon. I don't know how you. Anyway, what? Yeah. What's, that, what's that, this now? <laughs> I'm trying to think of everything. Zabon, Zabon. I don't know how you say it. Am I saying it wrong? Should I know who this is? I don't know who that is. I don't. Oh. Uh, <laughs> was he like an? Was he a creature? I don't know. He's probably a Romulan, frankly. I'll bet I'll bet he was a Romulan, and that makes thing that throws everything into just it's a mess. No, I am uh, Zabon, he has pointy ears and uh his eyebrows just go up at an angle. Does that help? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't and know what narrowed that it means. down to two species. <laughs> Uh, oh, here you go. Male Romulan. There you go. First, yeah. first season of, of the show. Yeah. I haven't watched the first season in a long time, so who knows? I am curious. Is he right about CSI? Because now I'm like trying to think of... Let me look. Is he right about it? Because like... Is it, it's like CSI Boise. CSI Cleveland. <laughs> He's one of them. I watched every episode of the original CSI, and he was not in that show. I'm a big fan of that show, but I didn't watch any of the spinoffs. He, he was in CSI Vegas and CSI New York and CSI Miami and CSI. He's been all yeah. CSI, so I am totally wrong. He travels he all CSI. over the place uh, from from state to state to help He's out the different departments. He's a loner <laughs> agent. 
I wonder if he's always the same character. Anson Wicks in Vegas, Mitch <gasps> Ventry in New York, uh, Timothy Nash in Miami, and then Eddie Vonner and Jeff Berlin in the regular CSI. I think so, he's a sociopath and should be arrested immediately. <laughs> he's, he's impersonating all kinds of different people. Oh my gosh, so funny. Well, those are the characters that we have in this part of the montage. Um, and that's pretty much it for this episode. Any last thoughts about uh, anything from Minute 130? I mean, overall, we get the most iconic scene of them all together. Finally, at the end, accepting that they are a team, that they can work together. Um, and Loki's just really parched. He's just parched, getting beaten to the ground. He is. It's fantastic. Well, uh, Taylor, thank you so much for joining us today for Minute 130. We certainly appreciate it. Oh, thank you. This is is the best days. Love (laughs) them. Well, tell everybody about what you're doing over on Twitch TV. For me, I do a lot of Marvel chats. They're called Marvel Mondays with Marvelous Days. A lot of M's, I realize now. A lot of M's. (laughs) Um, We talk about all things Marvel news, Marvel gossip, rumors, conspiracy theories. I can really spin your head for a while. And we just play a variety of games. That's fantastic. We'll have the link in the show notes. So check that out, everybody. You can jump over to uh, see her on Twitch TV and also find her on her other socials. So that is it for today. Uh, We'll be back with somebody else tomorrow for Minute 131 and back with uh, Taylor on Tuesday. So, uh, Pete... Thanks as always. Oh, Andy, tomorrow we get to find out the answer to the question we've been wondering about since minute 001. What does Ashley the waitress think about all of this? Very important. (laughs) You mean Beth the waitress played by Ashley. (laughs) Right. She'll always be Ashley to me. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.